It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. This is Riz Hatton with the Becker's Dental Plus DSO podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Jonathan Mason, Chief Clinical Officer at Select Dental Management. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Great. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my name is John Mason. Um, I'm a general dentist. I have I graduated dental school in 2006. Um, was in private practice in Connecticut with my father for eight years, and then bought a private practice of my own in Manchester, Vermont, about seven and a half years ago. Um, two years into that journey, after greatly improving my own practice, I decided to partner with a childhood friend of mine, Elliot Zybel, who is our CEO, and we co-founded Select Dental Management together, um, a, a partnership model DSO, where you know, our goal was really to partner with like-minded, growth-oriented dentists who were really running great practices um, that wanted to continue you know, to have a value-add partner continue to grow their practice, um, let us help them not only grow the practice that they're in, but also transition into younger dentists, um, you know, practice growth, whether it's, you know, adding into operatories, adding on procedures, um, whatever it may be. Um, and as a partnership model, we really developed uh, individual kind of, you know, treatment plans for each office that we partner with. Um, we are now about five years into our journey. We have 40 practices that we, you know, that we are partnered with. Um, and you know, it continues to to be going great. Um, I serve now, you know, not only the co-founder, but I serve as the chief clinical officer, and um, overseeing all of the, the you know the entire clinical entity. Um, you know, whether it's doctors, whether it's hygienists, um, people on our leadership team, and really making sure that we are instituting the standard of care within all of our practices and helping to maximize opportunities within each one of our practices throughout our portfolio. Fantastic! Thanks for sharing. And I know you mentioned Elliot. He's great. Um, I'm wondering, what was it? What's it like working with your childhood friend? Uh, it's pretty. It's been pretty fun, um, especially a childhood friend that did not know anything about dentistry uh, to start with. And I know you guys have talked to him, and many people listening to this have also talked to him. He knows a lot about dentistry, and especially about the business of dentistry and running, and and running dental practices. Um, he will tell you, I'm not the most business oriented dentist. I am a wet figure dentist that really has just was taught by my dad just to kind of treat patients right and successful follow from there. I love CE. I love getting new skills. And that's really been the basis of my success. And um, it's been really fun having a friend that was really finance oriented, um, you know, into the numbers, seeing how trends work and really understanding, I guess, you, know, you can look back on the numbers in my practice and see how successful it's been, but also how we can help drive growth um, in our other practices. Um, but it's been good. You know, it's been really good having a childhood friend. We've actually known each other since kindergarten. Um, and having a childhood friend that, um, you know, we, I can be honest with, I can be open with, um, I'm not worried, you know, I'm, he offends me all the time, I offend him all the time. Having that kind of relationship is really impactful in terms of growth and, be, you know, being able to be honest with each other about what we're doing. Um, you know, we do live kind of far away. We live a few states away, so I don't see him as much, but obviously my calls him um, constantly throughout the week. So um, it's been great. It's been, a, it's, been a really, it's been a really fun journey. 
and uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's we have we haven't run into too many issues between us because we really tend to serve slightly different things. But I, he's learned so much about dentistry and really understands what it takes to to, you know, to run a successful practice. That's awesome. I think I think we all need a friendship like that. <laughs> so yeah, see, yeah, yeah. It's been it's, it's it's been great. Yeah. So diving into my first question here, what are the biggest issues you're following in dental today? You know, I think the big, I mean, the biggest issue, the stuff that's come, come around that, that is on everyone's radar is the economy and is the bank's lending. I mean, when it really comes to, to the DSO space and, and you know, acquiring practices, the, the amount of, of change within the lending space, um, increased rates, um, decreased leverage, leverage amounts, that's really, you know, in my opinion, affected the, the outward growth that, um, that we're able to do in terms of acquisitions and things like that. So I don't know what the future is going to be. I mean, there's one aspect of the of, of the financial issue, which is what I just mentioned. And the other aspect is are the are, you know are the patients going to start closing up their you know their pocketbooks? Are they going to stop spending on you know back into I came into dentistry back in 2008, which was you know the Great Recession, and there was a lot of of expenditures that people were not doing right cosmetic cases, ortho stuff like that, really elective procedures when we're, we're gone for four or five years in dentistry. Um, and that was right in the beginning of my career as I was growing. Um, and, you know, there, I, we have not seen that come to fruition within our practices. We've been at multiple meetings and other groups are not seeing it as well, but obviously that, that isn't big concern that's on a horizon. So I think for us, in order to mitigate that risk at the practice level, really getting back to basics, right? Getting back to preventative dentistry, stuff that we're, we're sort of a mix. We have a lot of full for full fee for service practices. Mine is as well, so not as in, tuned into insurances, but we have plenty of practices that have are you know in network with a lot of PPOs. But stuff that you know, even the insurance covers, you know, proper radiographs, fluoride, sealants, preventative measures, um, really getting patients on board with the kind of dentistry that that we're tr that we're trying to um, promote throughout our practices is our way of kind of hedging that and making sure that um, you know that these type of that whatever's going to happen in the financial world, whatever people spending is going to be, will hopefully not, you know, hit us as hard. But obviously that's something that I think we're all concerned about, but we really haven't seen it happen right now. I think we just had our best first quarter ever in the history of the company. I know in my own practice, um, I had my best first quarter ever. And so you know, we're kind of waiting for that shooter drop, but it hasn't yet. And so um, really getting all of our practices on board and maintaining all this preventive care for patients, getting things early before they become much, much bigger procedures and, and re being able to discuss that with patients is how we're, you know, how we're approaching um, you know, our dentistry and our practices right now. Fantastic. And congratulations on uh, for both you and Select for having your best uh, Q1 ever. Yeah, thanks. It's kind of it's kind it's kind of been it's, it's it's been nice. It's been a good 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 first start of the year. So hopefully we can we can continue continue to maintain it. Well, that's great. Thank you. My next question is: What are you most excited about, and what makes you nervous? So I mean, I think the excitement. I'm really really big into digital dentistry, um, and I've not taken pretty much not taken a analog impression in about ten years. So I have multiple scanners in my practice. We are really big on putting iTeros and other scanners into practices, depending on what the practices do. If they do Invisalign, we use iTero. If they don't, we'll, we'll use a, a competing um, scanner that I feel 
you know, might be better for, for restorative work. But really getting into the digital workflow is the most exciting thing for me. And I know a lot of DSOs are doing it. They put in, you know, some, some are milling in the offices, some aren't milling in the offices. Um, but having that really changes the patient experience. And so you know, we've got, we're, we've been piloting um, artificial intelligence on x-rays. I think from a DSO space that that is, to me, that is really, really exciting to get people on board. We have 12 practices doing it right now. I've been using it for about six months. Um, I think as, as we grow and we have, we have about 150 clinicians in our network, being able to really standardize what's being done, what doctors are seeing, um, it's busy during the day. Many of you know, you're checking patients. You, you know, I have 15, 20 patients in my schedule. I'm checking 15 to 20 hygiene patients today. There's a lot going on. Having that AI, being able to help us read the x-rays, being able to confirm what we're seeing or not seeing um, is there, as well as identify opportunities for us to be able to treat, um, I think is really, really exciting. And I think that um, there's a lot of underdiagnosed care um, that's going on. And I think that that's going to help to solve that. And really, again, being able to treat things while it's small. The AI seems to pick up on a lot of smaller things. And I've gone into a lot of cavities and we've taken a look at patients perio and they're there. I really am trusting the, the computer um, as well as verifying on, on my own um, imaging system. Um, but for me, that's been really, really effective. And I think getting after things when they're smaller is going to really help the patient care that we're delivering, as well as looking at it from a more centralized DSO space, being able to standardize slash regulate and also kind of audit at the practice levels about what our doctors are seeing and what they're doing to make sure that, that they're doing the right work. And so for me, that, that's the kind of most, that's the most exciting thing. Um, digital dentistry, everybody, you know, is here, especially with the scanners and, and, you know, and crowns and bridges and everything like that, being able to scan for, um, as well as the, um, as well as the, uh, the patient experience, something like Actero really, you know, rather than taking all these photographs, which used to take a quick scan, patients are wowed by it. They love it. They love seeing their teeth and, you know, it generates a lot of questions from them about different issues, especially occlusal issues, um, ton of post-COVID, just a ton of bruxism and occlusal issues and broken teeth um, that it slowed down a little bit, but we're still, we're still seeing um, a lot of that. Um, in terms of what I'm, what I'm worried about, concerned about, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that um, I don't have too many worries right now. I think we've really established a, a really great program um, in terms, you know, for our doctors and, and created a really good reputation. Um, but being able to, I think it's really, really hard in order to properly ramp younger doctors into doing the kind, you know, becoming the dentist that they want to become, um, you know, getting them the proper training, getting them the proper CE, um, you know, being able as a company to get them to where they want to be, whether they want to be super GPs, um, you know, that's always kind of on my mind. And that's, they're very, very difficult, in my opinion, to develop that program um, because each doctor is so individual. So it's always that, that to me is always one of the bigger things that we knock our heads against. So how do we develop a great program for training our dentists, getting them up to speed on procedures they want to do, what companies we, we can partner with to help us do that. Um, and so, you know, that's always kind of at the, at the back of my mind, always, always a concern of mine, um, you know, trying to recruit, trying to hire younger dentists and you know, really be able to put them through, through a great program to get them the training um, that they need. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think is, is holding those young dentists back from from reaching um, that that growth potential that you're talking about? I honestly think it's a little bit of a mindset. Um, there's, we worked hard. I worked really, really hard for, I still work hard, but you know, five to 10 years, it took a lot. You know, you know the amount of, um, the amount of hours, the amount of, you know, 
if you talk to older dentists, how much they work the first five to 10 years out of practice. Um, you know, people see successful dentists, they see them working three, three days a week, three and a half days a week. And I just think it's, it's, it's an expectation. You can't be there when you're first a dentist, you need to work harder. I don't believe in dentists working five days a week, but maybe four and a half because you will burn out, but it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. You can't come out of dental school and be somebody that's, you know, placing implants, restoring them, doing full mouth rehabs, doing all these, all these constructive things. It takes a while to get there. It takes five years, in my opinion, um, in order to get to, to a point where you're comfortable and a ton of continuing education. And I think that that expectation, it, I'm realistic about what to expect. And I think that there might be unrealistic expectations about where somebody can get coming right out of school. Um, it takes a long time. You're working on, on patients. You're working on patients that don't necessarily love coming to the dentist. Um, and so it takes a lot of patience. It takes diagnosing, it takes talking to people. Some of the bigger cases I've ever done, I think I started talking with patients five years before I ever did them. We were just talking about it, what's possible, right? These patients aren't gonna say yes on the first day to a lot of things, but understanding and keep on you know, discussing with them what the benefits are gonna be. Um, and putting, you know, the doctors need to put themselves through continuing education. And it's a lot. I, I used to do 100, 150 hours a year of CE, um, went to Spear. Um, did all sorts of conferences. And, you know, that commitment to, to growing and realizing it's going to take five years, I think is important. And I don't necessarily, there are very few younger doctors that I see that are like that, to me, understand that, um, that importance. I just had a, a discussion with one of our young associates today, and he went through kind of implant uh, placement process that we did two years ago. We did a lot of CE and we did a hands-on thing. And he wasn't ready. He was realistic. He's been working on his restorative, getting his speed up, being more comfortable dealing with patients. And he called me this morning and was like, hey, I'm ready to go start down this implant pathway. And we're going to put him through another course. But it took him two years in order to get that. And I really, I actually really, really appreciate that he realized that he wasn't ready to get there yet and had the realistic expectations of how long it taken to, to get those additive skills um, you know, under, his, under his belt and into his clinical repertoire. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. My last question for you is, what will the most effective healthcare leaders need to be successful in the next two to three years? I mean, it, comes, it comes down to, to, to really, you know, you know similar things. Um, one is going to be really good financial partners. Um, I think as we grow, having, having people to, to um, understand, you know, having financial, financial partners to really understand what the growth potential needs are going to be and ones that want want to go through that um i think it's going to take a lot of patience so um you know one thing is the economy we don't know what the economy is going to do but if it does go down then it's going to be really important to to go within the practices and start really developing each practice we find ourselves to be a very much a value add partnership model so we don't just buy them and just let them be. Um, you know, I've heard I've heard of word invisible DSO at a meeting I had a few months ago. I didn't actually I don't really know what that is. Um, so, uh, you know, for us, we like to partner with doctors and we like to help them improve and identify areas in the business that they're going to improve. So I think it's going to be really really important that um, all the DSOs really kind of dive back into their practices and see where they can maximize things, make things more efficient, um, make them more profitable at a practice level. Um, and, you know, while doing that and then going forward, you know, growth acquisition, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of retiring doctors, a lot of retiring doctors right now, um, or doctors willing, willing to sell, you know, our, I think our, 
I think our average age these days, the doctors we're partnering with and practices we're partnering with are in the low 50s, um, which I would never have believed five years ago when we started this. Um, there's a lot of doctors that want to continue to grow, continue to practice, um, but they're younger and they're willing to stay in it. So I think that having having that mentality um, of growing internally, growing within the four walls of dental practices and putting in you know, the best, um, best practices, um, most you know, really streamlining profitability at the practice level is going to be the most important thing that people do in the next two to three years. Um, again, one, it's great for business, it's great for valuations, um, and it also hedges against you know what could happen in the in the financial economy outside of of what of what we're doing in the dental industry. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your insights today and your time. I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. All right, you're welcome. Thank you very much.